Once again, good morning. Good morning. What a blessing it is to be together on this good Lord's Day. I'm going to be hanging out here in 1 John. 1 John. We're going to be focusing on life in the sun. Life in the Son. If you look over to 1 John 5, 11 and 12. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, you'll see the passage that we are emphasizing first of all. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, John writes, This is the testimony, this is the record that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has this life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. John writes some 50 years or more past the crucifixion, some 50 years or more after the establishment of the church, and he writes about some great themes. He writes about Jesus being Lord, such as 1 John 4.15 says that we ought to be confessing that Jesus is the Son of God. When we do that, then then we abide in God and God abides in us. One of the great themes here is Jesus is Lord. One of the great themes in 1 John is is light, L-I-G-H-T. 1 John 1, 5, and 6 says God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. In 1 John 1, 7, we ought to be walking in the light of God's Word. And of course, another great theme in 1 John is that of love, of love. In 1 John 4, 7 and 8, He that loveth not, knows not God, for God is love. God is love. Another great theme, and we're focusing on this theme today, is life, is life. Life is in the sun, life in the sun. We're thankful to have this time in worship that God has set aside for us to look into His holy word, life in the sun. Let's begin by thinking about an introduction to this life, an introduction to this life in the sun. The New Testament tells us about three types of life. The New Testament tells us about three types of life. Number one, there's physical life. There's physical life. Acts 17, 24, Paul says that God has given unto us life, breath, and all things. There's physical life, number one. Number two, there is spiritual life. Spiritual life. When we come to Jesus for forgiveness and we submit to Him, then we obtain forgiveness and we obtain spiritual life. Spiritual life. Just like Romans 6, 3, and 4 teaches us, we are buried with Christ in baptism and we are raised to walk in newness of life. Newness of life. So there is spiritual life. And then the New Testament tells us also about eternal life. And John loves this expression here in his book. Follow me a little bit. Go back to chapter 1. Chapter 1, 
in verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. The life that was made manifest, we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. Talking about Jesus himself. We proclaim to you eternal life. To teach Jesus is to teach eternal life. Also notice 1 John 2.25. 1 John 2.25. This is the promise that he has promised us. Even eternal life. Eternal life. Notice 1 John 3 and verse 15. He that hates his brother is like a murderer, he says, right? Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life, eternal life abiding in him. No murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Notice eternal life in 1 John 5 and verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And notice verse 20 of chapter 5 as well. A, a very beautiful verse indeed. 1 John 5, 20. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. In my judgment, just reading these verses so far, it's been worth our time being here studying His Word. Okay. Think about the three types of life. There is physical life, there's spiritual life, and there is eternal life. Now everyone walking about on earth taking in air has the first part, has physical life, but not everyone has spiritual life and eternal life, the life in the sun. Obviously, we understand that the most important of these types of lives are the spiritual life and the eternal life. You know that very well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, For which cause we faint not, though our outward man is perishing, that's the physical life, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, thinking about spiritual life and eternal life, we also have to think about the three types of death. There are three types of, of death as well. There is physical death taught to, taught to us uh, in the New Testament. Hebrews 9, 27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this judgment there is physical death, and then there's spiritual death as well. Ephesians 2 1 through 3 talks about being dead in our trespasses and sins. And then there, of course, is eternal death that we want to certainly avoid. Revelation 21 verse 8 calls this the second death. The second death. And he that experiences the second death has his part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. But if we understand life in the sun, if we are able to obtain and be part of life in the Son, then we can escape both spiritual death and eternal death. So that's just by way of introduction, uh, thinking about life in the Son. Let's think now about inspiration for this life in the Son. 
inspiration for this life in the Son. As you see here in 1 John 5, 11, it is God who has given us eternal life. He is the source, and He has given us this possibility of eternal life through His Son, Jesus. Looking there in 1 John 3 and verse 16, notice that the Son laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But first, notice, Jesus laid his, laid his life down for us. That's, that's the inspiration for us to have this life uh, in the Son. Now, John mentions something that has an Old Testament background. Okay. Let me mention this Old Testament uh, situation. In the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, and the rituals involved there. The, the high priest would come into the most holy place and he would take the animal blood and sprinkle it on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Now sitting on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat that God had placed there. And the background to this is, is Leviticus 16 and Exodus 25 and a few others, but he would come in there and God had promised that he would meet him in there in the most holy place and he would be hovering above the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was a pot of manna and there was Aaron's rod that budded and then also there were the tablets of stone. Okay. The tablets of stone convicted men of their sin. Okay. And so here is a picture of the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat on top. And so once a year on the Day of Atonement, he would go in there and the high priest would take blood of bullocks and, and other animals and sprinkle it on top. Okay. And the idea was that inside the Ark of the Covenant was those tablets of stone which represented the fact that man sinned because man was convicted of his sin by those tablets of stone. So in a manner of speaking, as God is hovering over the top of that Ark of the Covenant, he's looking down and he can see man's sin, but then when the animal blood is placed there, then in a manner of speaking, that sin is hidden from his sight. All of that pointed down to the time of Jesus and his blood. Okay. Jesus, just, in, just as that animal blood in that Old Testament ritual, in a sense, covered the sins of man from God's sight. So Jesus today, his blood, covers our sin. Now notice in 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, you'll see the word propitiation. That means covering covering. Okay. So look at 1 John 2, 1 and 2. John says, My little children, I write these things unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation, the covering for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Notice again, 1 John 4, 9 and 10. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. Not that we love God. In other words, it's not our love for God that caused Jesus to come to this earth. Rather, God initiated this process. 
It's not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to, to be, again, to be the propitiation, to be the covering uh, for our sins. And so we are to understand this, this love from God that sent His Son. We are to understand it, and we are to allow that to inspire us to want to give our life back uh, to Him. And so we see, first of all, an introduction to this life in the Son, and an inspiration uh, for it as well. And then thirdly this morning, we want to notice the location, and you can see that plainly, the location of this life in the Son. Notice it again in 1 John 5, 11. God has given us, He gave us eternal life, and this life is located in a certain place in His Son. This reminds us that God has always located His blessings. That's just a habit of God's. Think about back in the day of Noah when the flood came. Where was the place of salvation? Where was the place of deliverance? It was inside that ark. It was listening to God as Noah preached about it, about the coming flood, and then it was getting into that ark. That was the place of safety. God has always located His blessings. So today... We must escape the wrath of God. We must escape the fiery uh, furnaces of hell. We must escape the consequences of sin. We must look to Jesus. And God has located salvation today as well. And it is in His Son. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 10, Paul says, He endured all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus our Lord with eternal glory. See, salvation is in Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 3 says that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is located in Jesus Christ. When we obey the Lord, that places us in Christ. That puts us in the proper location. Going back to Romans 6 and verse 3. Know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Christ, were baptized into His death. Now notice, what is located in Christ? Well, the death of Jesus is there. All the benefits and blessings of, of the cross is located in Christ. Notice that verse again, Romans 6, verse 3. Know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Christ, what happened? We were baptized into His death right there. All the benefits of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross are found in Christ. We are baptized into Christ. A little statement that I had not really thought about in a while. I, I marked it in my Bible. Please mark it in yours. Is Philippians 3 and verse 9 that says, Paul says, I want to be found in Christ. That's, that's huge. That's huge. Paul says, I want to be found in Christ. That's a great goal. Jesus comes again, I want to be found in Christ. As I'm living my life, I want to be found in Christ. I want to remain in Christ. I want to abide in Him. And so we see the location of this life. And then next, I want us to see the blessing of this life. The blessing of this life. Notice it here in your Bible, 1 John 5 and verse 12. He that has the Son has life. He that has not, the Son has not life. 
You see, the blessing of being in the Son, having life in the Son, is that Jesus, He has us and we have Him. He owns us, and in a very respectful sense, we own Him. See. He owns us by way of the fact that we submit to Him, and, and according to Acts 20 and verse 28, and He purchases us with His blood. See, we, we're purchasing. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we therefore are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to the Lord. We are His. And by virtue of that, then He is ours. It's a beautiful thought to think about that, that we have the Son. We have the Son. We have the Son. We sing about it, don't we? I found my Lord and He is mine. Remember that song? Isn't that a song? I found my Lord. I found my Lord and He is mine. He won me by His love. I'll serve Him all my years of time and dwell with Him above. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. We sing about it how that we don't, not only do we belong to the Lord, but, but in a sense, He's ours. He, he's, he's ours too. We sing the song, Blessed Assurance, what? Jesus is what? Jesus is mine. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. He's mine. And He ought to be ours personally. Personally, he ought to be ours. In Philippians uh, 4 and verse 19, Paul says, My God, notice how Paul talks about it. My God shall supply your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God. When David wrote Psalm 23, he said, The Lord is my shepherd. It ought to be just that personal. He's mine. He's mine. He's my God. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my king. There's a lot of nice, wonderful Christian ladies in our brotherhood. Okay. But there's only one of those who is my wife. My wife. She's mine. I am hers, and she is mine. She's my wife. We were at Bible camp this past week, and there's a lot of wonderful children there. And a lot of wonderful parents there. And a lot of wonderful parents came, came, came and picked up their children. We're so thankful for that. They came back for their children. They came. Those children, got a lot of them, but they have one mom, one dad. That's my mom. Here's my dad. This is my child. A lot of great parents, a lot of great children, but it's personal when it's my mom, my dad, my child, my son, my daughter. God is also to be personal to us. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And we must know Him that way. What a blessing that is, that, that we are His and He is ours. And then finally this morning, life in the Son. Let's, let's think about the impact of this life. The impact of this life. It's so true that when you think about eternal life, 
It is to fill our minds with, with tremendous hope for the future. But mainly, eternal life is to have an impact upon us right now. The ideal, the ideal of eternity. Someone has done it this way. Let me see if I can share this as well. Well, Ken, I knew that wasn't going to work. Ken's going to come up and help me spread this. I warned him ahead of time. Straighten my mess out here. This could take a while, baby. Well, as Ken works on that, I wanted us to think about this. This rope is a hundred foot long. And the idea here is the part that is taped is to represent our lives. Okay. Psalm 90 says our lives end up being in our day about 70 or 80 years, maybe. Give or take some either way. The tape part of this rope represents our lives. And the rest of this is eternity. Eternity. And I want us to really stop for a moment this morning and think about eternal life. Eternal life. Now, everybody, thank you, Ken, everybody walking about has eternity setting before them. It's either going to be eternal life or eternal death. But eternity is enormous. And... When eternity is properly placed in our hearts, some things become very important. Some things mean more. Some things mean less. Going back to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, Paul says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, those are eternal. Eternal. If we properly think about eternity, it will impact our soul, the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we choose. That's our soul. With our soul, we are constantly thinking, feeling, and choosing. Eternal life is presented to us in order that we would think, feel, and choose properly so that we can have eternal life. When we think about eternity, 
there'll be some things that matter more to us and there'll be some things that matter less to us. Let's think about on the less side first. Possessions will mean a lot less when we think about eternity. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 6 and verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon uh, this earth where moth and rust does corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But rather he said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal because where your treasure is, there will be your heart be also. When we properly think about eternity, then possessions will matter so much less. And also, our position in life will matter so much less. I love what Paul says in Philippians 3. When I, when I say position, I mean, I mean our, our lust for power and control, our lust for stardom and recognition, will just go out the window because we are properly thinking about eternity. In Philippians chapter 3, notice verse 7. Paul says, as he talks about his conversion to Christ, he said, Now, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ Jesus. See, all of that, all that selfishness, all that, all that desire for control, all that idea of having things my way and wanting my things goes right out the door because we have eternity. See, this, at best, at best, this, these few inches are our lives. And the rest of these inches, these hundreds, this, this hundred feet of rope represents eternity. And this is just, a, this is just an attempt to try to picture it. But you see, Possessions will mean less, far less. Positions in life will, will mean nothing to us. And even the problems of life take on a new uh, scenario when we think about eternity. Listen to what Paul says, going back to that same passage in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, 17. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. That's it, guys. Life is... Like it, life is like a sigh. Life is like a vapor that appears for a little time. Life is just a moment. For our light affliction, yeah, we have problems in this life, but compared to eternity, what are those? Okay. Compared to eternal life, what will, what will our problems look like? Well, just as almost nothing. Okay. Listen to Paul. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment works for us a far more exceeding, and notice it, eternal weight of glory. Far more exceeding 
and eternal way to glory. Okay. There's problems over here in, in life, but compared to what eternal life will be like, it's just a moment. It's just a light affliction. It's something that we can definitely endure. As Paul says in Romans 8 and verse 18, he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed. See, there's no comparison. No comparison. I was trying to, to uh, talk to our little class this, this week at Bible camp about this very thing and trying to make some kind of comparison. So I said, uh, tell me, who is the best NBA basketball player right now? Who's the best player? And so they named off a few. Some of them I recognized. Some of them, some of them didn't. Most of them said LeBron James. I said, well, suppose you've got this little, little child who is just beginning to walk, and you put a basketball in his hands. Okay. Just compare that little child who just to LeBron James with a basketball. Okay. Trying to make some kind of ridiculous comparison because this is, what, this is what the Lord does with us. The sufferings of this present world, whatever it is, the problems of this present world, whatever it is, are not worthy to be compared. They're not, they're not even on the same page. They're not in the same ballpark. Okay. They're not on the same land as the eternal weight of glory which is before us. The impact of eternal life. It ought to be tremendous and awesome and huge in our lives. Sometimes we have problems with people. and We're worried about, about people. We're worried about what they said about us. Okay. Okay. That just diminishes. That just goes away. You don't even give that a second thought. Why? Because your mind is on is on the rest of the yellow rope. Your mind is not on the black. Your mind is on eternity. Okay. You, you know that, that the words people say and the things that people do that may just be against you and it may actually hurt you, but it's really nothing compared to what is ahead. Think about this life. This life. Oh, over here in this life, it is so hard to talk to somebody about Jesus. So hard. Why is it so hard? Because our mind is not on eternity. We don't really believe. We don't really believe in eternity. We don't believe there's eternal life out here. We don't really believe that. Because if we did, then it wouldn't be difficult at all to talk. We don't need a, we don't need a special person. We don't need a special program. They didn't have it in the first century. What kind of special person, a special program helped people to talk about the gospel? They didn't need that because they, they believed in eternity, you see. They believed in it. It was real to them. Eternal life. John speaks of it just often. It was second nature for him to talk about it. He truly believed in it. The rest of this, you know, things become easier, things become simpler when we think about eternal life. When we think about eternity properly, there are several things that will mean so much more to us, starting with God. God the Father will mean so much more to us. His Bible will become our book when we're thinking about eternity. 
the Son of God, the Savior, will indeed be personal to us when we properly get our mind out here on, on the rest of the rope and not on the, on the short end of the rope. The New Testament, the, the gospel of Jesus that he brought, the New Testament that we have in our Bibles will become so much more meaningful to us. The gospel plan of salvation that we've tried to relate, at least some this morning, some in Bible class, will become so much more meaningful to us. The other people who are walking around without Christ, uh, that will preoccupy our minds and our thoughts and our prayers because now our mind is focused on eternity. You see, our families being reared in the Lord, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6 verse 4, that will be our focus because now our mind is on eternity. You see, Good living and righteous living will now be our focus because now we, our mind is full of eternal life, thoughts, and eternity. You see, Heaven itself will be our dream because now our mind is on eternity. No wonder Paul writes in Colossians 3 and verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. Eternal life. Life in the Son. We wanted to just notice that from 1 John 5, 11 and 12. We just touched really the hem of the garment of all that John meant for us to understand, but at least we're able to see enough to see that we ought to be following God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If there's a spiritual need this morning that is upon your mind, upon your heart, have you, have you wandered away in any way in God's sight? What about your situation and eternal life? Do you go through, through every day being absorbed by the thoughts of eternity? Or is most of your thoughts, conversations related to just this part here? Most of the people walking around they're all focused right here. Right here. But in reality, there's a whole huge unending eternity before them. Do you need to come? Come right now as we stand together and as we sing. Brother Tim.